six-yard area. Five behind. James gets there just first. Cantona! You're very welcome along to the last Reds and Devils football podcast of the season. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listened to us all along the, the journey. And um, I, I've hit on this one a few times already, Rob and, and Kev. Um, you know, if you asked us this at the start of the season, I'll, I'll do it one last time for, for, for old time's sake. At the start of the season, if you had told us that Manchester United were going to finish ahead of Liverpool in the league and get to a cup final, but the Liverpool fans would be delighted at the end of the season, and the United fans would be pissed off and basically having civil war with each other on Twitter and social media. Would you believe it? Um, I don't know. It's been a crazy season, but I just know that it's definitely a very disappointing end to the season for United. But also, it crystallised a lot of things that match last night. Like, um, Salt, like with United, I think it's time now to make a move. We'll get into this more, so I'm going to keep a brief here. We'll need to make a move, replace Solskjaer. But he has done a good job to get them in, back into the top four. So, you know, it could theoretically build from a position of strength. But last night, to me, just left a bad taste for the whole season. Um, and a lot of it I'm pinning on Solskjaer. Yeah, was saying, Kev, like you can kind of come in and almost be our, um, you know, agony uncle here if you want. Um, yeah, like, what, like did, you, did you watch much of that match last night? Like I started watching with the kids and I was going to let them stay up for the whole thing. And I think it finished around... Uh, half four in the morning last night. Those penalties went on for so long, but uh, they were well asleep by the end of it. Thank God for them. Yeah, look, I obviously I did watch it, yeah. Um, because we, I was no more than yourselves, obviously. I mean, Man United fans in a European final midweek, you know, it was great to see it on the Wednesday night. They were saying, if they just played on a Thursday night, they probably would have won. They're probably just not <laughs> used to playing on a Wednesday. But yeah, like, I mean, I wanted to see what Villarreal were like. And after about 10 minutes, I was like, Jesus, these lads are rubbish. You know, yeah. like there, there was nothing to them. I mean, you couldn't see, I couldn't even believe that they had got to a final and, and uh, beaten the teams that they did. Um, they're just so negative. And like somebody, one of the lads said, like, you know, are and like, are they all sec- stuck in suck- second gear? Like, you know, they weren't able to run. There was just no pace on the team whatsoever. And then you think, like, when they scored, like that ball traveled so far for the goal. And you're thinking, bloody hell, how did that even happen? And then, like, United kind of just retreated and just showed nothing. And I think, like, I saw Cavani's shot, I think, for the goal was like the last shot on target uh, up to like the 90th minute. Like, did he score in what, the 50 something minute? Sure, you know, yeah. 55. Yeah. So, like, you're thinking, God almighty, like, just a dreadful. It was one of the worst. Like, it was anti-football uh, kind of stuff. Like, you know, it was Guantanamo Bay kind of style torture <laughs> at last half an hour. It was just dreadful stuff. Um, was it, I don't know, was it tiredness or what What it was? But, like, Unai Emery obviously is an amazing record in, in the Europa League. Liverpool fell foul of his Sevilla team uh, in, a cha- in a Europa League final a couple of years ago as well, which was kind of a, a smash and grab. And it was kind of a bit like that as well last night, where they're not a great side individually, but put together, they just kind of grind out results. 
Um, but it got it, it was a very, very tough watch. I watched Mayor of East Town afterwards as a pick me up. And anybody who's seen this knows it's not exactly the most cheery thing in the world. So uh yeah, it was it was a tough Wednesday night, that's for sure. I was um I was talking to a friend of mine, Rob Rob Fields, who was um he was on the show a little bit earlier in the season with us. I think he came on after that late Everton equalizer at Old Trafford earlier in the season and, and was shell shocked. And I was talking to him before the final and me and him had the same thing that like United just gave up all the momentum of a positive league season in that last, you know, four league games. Like to, to Rob's mind, like he was kind of agreeing with me and I was delighted to, to have someone else agreeing with me. He was thinking they should have went strongest side possible against Leicester and Liverpool. And then you just would have confirmed Champions League for yourself. You would have just kind of, you would have given a good bit of momentum. Then you could have even played a few of them against Fulham at home and then rest them up against Wolves if you have a final coming up. But for a guy who flogged them all season, then just to basically just wave the white flag at the season. And then there's no momentum going into that final. Like you had lads that hadn't played together in a couple of weeks and uh, it really showed then as well. And then you're talking about resting guys up. Is uh, You know, I think, what did he go? 104, 103 minutes without actually changing anybody. And whatever momentum United had, it, you know, going into into extra time, United were the team that were pushing. They were the team trying to score. And then extra time was like, United just had basically four flat tyres. They were useless. Mm. The lads were basically running on empty and Solskjaer was afraid to make any subs. And then when he was making subs, he was just trying to waste time to get to a penalty shootout. It was, it was. I think I said to you last night, I, I wouldn't trust him in, in charge of my under 10s here at the moment, Rob. Um, yeah, like for Villarreal as well, like they reminded me like, like a Spanish Bournley. And that's not yeah. disrespectful because Bournley are like a really well coached team. Like there's not a lot of individual talent, but they've a, a competent manager, tactically astute. The players are very committed, so you have to give them credit for that as well. But they play it to their maximum, whereas United were just... Like, what was Solskjaer trying to do? That's what I, I went into that match thinking. I was like, like he said there after, oh, it's one of those games, you can lose it. But like, I'd love to sit down and go, this, this was our plan to win this match. There, there was no plan whatsoever. It was like watching O'Neill with Ireland. He was just throwing a lot of lads out on the pitch and hoping that... Well, not for Ireland's case, but for Man United. Just well, listen, we have better players, so individual talent will eventually shine through. And all Villarreal twigged after about five minutes was listen, if we just stand close to Bruno here when he gets the ball, you know, you don't really have a lot. Like, and this some the last week and last night particularly just summed up why Solskjaer isn't um, the right man for it. And I flip flopped a bit on this. You'll remember, yeah. listen back. I said back in January he was, but. Now, I think I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm usually quite snapping, quick in my judgments, and it doesn't always work in my favour. Sometimes you get it right, but this one, I wanted to wait and see, and I think I've seen enough to say now it's not it's not going to happen for him. His squad management, his game management is really poor. Like, for someone who was a, a super sub as a player, he just doesn't seem to want to use his bench at all. He was standing on the, on the sideline like some fella who was waiting on a bus that was 20 minutes late and just waiting and waiting and waiting, and just standing there. Rashford was absolutely terrible in that game. I'm not talking about anything else. Rashford is a great guy. He's a talented guy. But he was absolutely brutal in that match. His decision-making was terrible. He was 10 yards offside about three times. Like He didn't even look across to check the offside line. He lost the ball, about I'd say, about 10 times easily. Um, he was brutal. And then he scored seven goals this season. But Solskjaer instead, when he does make a change, takes off Greenwood, who has six goals in his last eight Premier League matches. So he's not even picking up based on form. What, what's his decisions based on? And I've heard a lot of crap as well, people saying, I'm going on a beer, sorry, Pat. 
people well, saying that you know his bench isn't great but like it doesn't have to be great it just has to be better than Villarreal's bench which it is so it's not about whether you have Zidane coming off the bench or Oli Gunnar Solskjaer himself or Eric Cantona or Roy Keane it doesn't matter because Juan Mata is a skillful intelligent footballer who can keep the ball it doesn't matter if he's not as good as he used to be he just has to be better than the Villarreal players don't even want to be playing the Champions League semi-final and now he's not trusted to play against Villarreal like it's unbelievable yeah. how bad he's managed that squad. Like players have been ran into the ground. Like Rashford, I'm gonna I have to give him a benefit of that as well because maybe he's just injured because he's been flogged all season. Why won't he just and it's not enough to say he doesn't trust the players? Do you think that do you think like Francis Coquelin builds Unai Emery with amazing faith going, Yeah, I'm gonna put him on here and he's gonna do brilliant. Like, like Villarreal, like Alberto Moreno, come on. Like that's the level Villarreal are at. These that's well, not I, I, Sorry, Alberto Moreno is a Champions League winner, Rob. Let's not forget that. Yeah, he was there when Liverpool won the Champions League. I'll give him that. But like, that's not even be disrespectful to him. You have to trust these yeah. guys. Like, It's a squad game. And even if the guys that come on weren't brilliant, they would have been had fresh legs. So Villarreal were better in this extra time just because their lads had more energy. That's how simple it came down to. And Solskjaer, by every metric there, has made an absolute mess of it. And you know you are just going to do a salt share now. They're just going to ignore other options. I was writing about this this morning. There's Conte's out there. Pochettino's going to go back to Spurs. Like the Spurs. Like come on, he's just just the point, Pochettino. That's all you have to do. Thank all you're going to salt share. Get some role from at the club, but he's not equipped to be an elite manager. And you can blame players. You can blame wherever. He just made an absolute mess of that last night, and there's no getting away from that. Yeah, Kev. Kev, you want like yeah, you want like do you want to jump in on that? Because I was saying like yeah, looking at that Villarreal team, it's like who's it like Pau Torres was getting a lot of credit and stuff like that, like a local lad. But a lot of them are just like Premier League rejects and rejects from bigger Spanish clubs as well. Like they were, you know, and and as, as Rob was saying, like that the bench thing, like they what they did is they just put on their five subs at the start of like around the end of the game and start of extra time, and then they just had more legs than United. And they took the game over at the end, and and then all of a sudden the momentum was gone, and um, it was. As I went into that game, as I said, like I was almost embarrassed that Bruno Fernandez was crying at the end. You're like, give it a break, mate. It's the Europa League here. Like, uh, we, we've got bigger stuff to aim for next season. But you know, you can just see what it kind of meant to someone. But I think it's like the panic from that coaching team has kind of transferred over to the players. You can see Solskjaer and Cavani having an argument in yeah. the first half as well. It's like these are young lads on some kind of apprenticeship program trying to win a trophy together. You look at Carrick, McKenna, Solskjaer, like. Uh, feelings the guy to kind of just go in and tell a few stories about the old days and yeah. it, it's time to kind of put an end to it but I suppose from from as a Liverpool perspective Kev you'd probably say keep him in there for another couple of seasons would you? Uh, oh, any Liverpool fan would uh, that's all I've been getting messages saying keep him in there keep him there um, like it's it's as long as Solskjaer's there you know you aren't going to bridge that gap and then to hear this morning I'll go on a little bit more rant while we wait for Kev's technical difficulty to sort but <laughs> all I'm hearing now is <laughs> so you have Liverpool fans saying, yeah, get get him, keep him there. And then you have United fans saying he needs another couple of players. Sure, sure what difference would that make? It's just going to be more elite players who Solskjaer won't kind of give any like instructions or won't coach them to actually win matches. It's just going to be running around on the pitch anyway. So, yeah, and you know you need to stop acting like a media brand. Like, they're acting like, like content creators. Like, let's get this club legend in and, like, and let's get all these players around him. Like, act like a football club and be rational about it. Like he's not up to it, and that that's okay. And but and there's better options out there, so just go with them. Yeah, 
the, the, the thing, and, and yeah, well, if Kev comes, if Kev comes back in every now and then, you can just holler at us, Kevin. You can kind of yeah. take a break from giving out about United here. But <laughs> um, the, the the other thing that got to me is I was saying, like, I I sometimes hate watch it. I, I watch these Solskjaer press conferences after they lose, almost just to get annoyed. And and some of the stuff that he was coming out with there last night, like um. As I said, when it came to the penalty shootout, um, you know, one of the guys I think it was said to him from the BBC said, um, "Why did Bruno go first? Like stats say, sixty percent of the time yeah. you go first, you win a penalty shootout." Um, and Solskjaer just seemed like he didn't have a, a notion of it. Like Solskjaer was saying, um, "Oh, oh, oh, is it okay? Well, that's Bruno's decision." And then the other yeah. one, they said to him, uh, "Like I know you want to make a decision on your goalkeeper, but maybe coming up to the penalty shootout, Dean Henderson saved eight penalties in the last uh, two seasons." would have been worth putting Dean Henderson on for the shootout. And Solskjaer was almost like surprised by that fact. Like, oh, okay, well, I want to stick with my goalkeeper. My goalkeeper is my guy. And you're like, well, here's a guy you, at the end, like, what is it now? He's now conceded 36 straight penalties against another goalkeeper who saved eight of them. And it yeah. could have been like a, you know, like a, almost a Louis van Gaal uh, method as well. Like, But yeah. Solskjaer didn't seem to have a breeze about this. And you're going into a side against a team that like haven't seen that Arsenal semi-final, Villarreal were playing for draws and playing yeah. for time, playing for penos. The exact same thing was going to happen to them and, and it seemed to be taken by surprise that, you know, what happens when we get to a penalty shootout? Like, it, it was incredible. And the other thing that, that got to me as well was um, he was talking about the league and how tough it is. He was going on about like, oh, we had no pre-season. And it was like, forgetting the fact that like, you know, Liverpool and City didn't exactly have a long yeah. pre-season either. We had no pre-season and then he said, we lost the league after a bad start. I was saying, you were top of the league in February. <laughs> what, what are you actually talking about? Um, so, yeah, as I said, like you get annoyed watching these games and then you listen to the guy speaking. Like, here's a guy in the last few weeks that said uh, the fans were at fault for them losing because they're protesting. Oh. And then when the fans came back and gave him a load of support, it was their fault because the players were trying to impress them too much. Like, So, yeah. he's... Uh, yeah, and before that, Kev, Kev in here, sorry, Pat was saying that, like, he, this is well, all those reasons is, are why he, he's perfect for the Glazers nearly, because he's like this front man. He'll take, he can take all the criticism, and at the same time, he keeps a certain section of fans on side by having his club legend here, and he can blame players and blame everything else, and just go, you have to support the manager. So, like, if Louis Van Hal was saying this stuff, or even worse, David Moyes, like, like, you think of how the, the stick Moyes got. And Ivan Hal got, which I thought was a bit unfair with Van Hal. Um, imagine that, like compared to what Solskjaer gets away with saying and doing as well. And it comes down to as well, he's just not proactive enough. Even that, he didn't tell Bruno. Like that should have been in Bruno's ear. Like if you win the toss, shoot first, you yeah. get clear advantage. But that's just basic management, and just there's no sign of that. Um, I was saying, Kev, there that um, would as a Liverpool fan, do you just are you happy enough for Solskjaer to be there for another two or three seasons? Uh, yeah, look, obviously, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, when you get uh, second place in the league, but like, is there too much being made of, of Solskjaer last night? Obviously, he made mistakes, but like, Fernandez was anonymous, Pogba was poor, Rashford obviously wasn't up to it. You know, defensively, they're not good. Like, where does the manager, like, where does the responsibility for the manager end? And how do players get off scot free? Like, I think I was actually in a hotel in Limerick last year for um, the United. Was it a semi-final against Sevilla that they lost or whatever? And like, you know, Fernandez was not like, they had a very bad night that night, you know, and like Fernandez maybe 
needs better players around him. But I mean, you expect an awful lot more for a very good player. Pogba was anonymous, I thought, for long stretches of the game again last night. So, you know, Soscar has flogged them to death, but they've been re- they've been pretty much rested for the last two or three weeks. So, like, where does, you know, players actually having a little bit of backbone and say, we're in a final here, we can win it, uh, up against maybe a manager that looked maybe a little bit out of his depth. I don't know. And look, maybe that's that's maybe too simplistic in some respects. But, you know, you have to say, like, your big name players, Cavani looked like, to me, the only guy that was trying uh, very hard and trying to cajole players and get players involved. And, you know, there was a, a period there where I think he was uh, asking for the ball to be played to his feet and, like, get him involved more. But they just couldn't find him. Now, look, Villarreal, I imagine, are a very difficult team to play against in La Liga. And Emery had them very well set up. But we've spoken about this before. United are easy enough to figure yeah. out in terms of their attacking play. Emery obviously had studied them very closely and I'd say Solskjaer the reason he didn't have any ben- options on the bench is because he would thought he thought there's no way this is going to extra time yeah. and penalties and like you put your best players on the team the, the field for 90 minutes and you think Fernandez or Pogba or Rashford or Greenwood are going to get more than a single goal in 90 minutes you also don't expect that a penalty shootout is going to go down to your goalkeeper and how different would be the talk this morning if United had won that game last night and won it maybe Maybe two or three nil. I mean, all would all the doubts about Solskjaer be gone then? You know, how do you weigh that up in terms of the overall season and looking at a, a, a single game um, as a microcosm? I'm not so sure. Obviously, Zidane is free. Conte is free. There's already talk this morning, I think, about Pochettino even being tapped up uh, to come back to Spurs, which I think would be absolutely bonkers. Um, So it's an interesting one. And I think maybe Tottenham are using that maybe to hang on to Harry Kane if they can. But Solskjaer, I think... Is limited. We know he's limited, but they still got to European final. They still got second in the league. They closed the gap on City. They finished above Liverpool, their traditional bigger, biggest rivals. Like, what more do United fans want, you know, with a squad that obviously has an awful lot of dead wood? And I think unless he clears out the dead wood and gets a lot of players in this summer, you know, but obviously they need time to take to, to gel as well. So I think he's caught between a rock and a hard place, but he's too nice. And I think the Glazers, you can walk all over him. He's a doormat effectively. And there isn't any kind of fire and brimstone there. And maybe players are beginning to see that he's a little bit of a soft touch. I know, Pat, you said that he's ruthless at times, but Mm. is he ruthless enough for, you know, a club like Manchester United in terms of saying to somebody, I don't want Pogba in my squad. I just want to get rid of him. You know, is he ruthless enough to say that kind of thing where a Pep or a Klopp or even a Tuchel would just take that very hard decision and just get rid of them for the betterment of the club? Yes. Sorry, Pat. I think where you, where you, where you start blaming Solskjaer, is like I wouldn't blame him for that first goal because like that's just the defender has to clear that. I wouldn't blame him if Eric Boy missed that overhead in his own six-yard box and Villarreal scored from that because he had to play and that's a player's decision. Where I start blaming him is his, his tactical decisions when the match was clearly wasn't going the way he wanted it, which was our better, our players are better than your players. As you said, Cavani's shot was the last shot on target and that was 50-something minutes, 53 or something. And I, he just stood there, as I said, just not making any change then. That for that, that was the same reason why United went out of Champions League because he didn't take Fred off against them um, PSG. So again, it's it's good. Good managers, top managers are, are proactive. They 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 they're bold. They're brave in decisions. Like 
you wouldn't have to ask Pep twice to make a change. He's, he's going to identify that change before anyone watching at home is, and he's going to make the change. And obviously not expecting Solskjaer to be on that level, but there are managers out there who aren't, who are elite coaches like Conte or Pochettino. And I don't care what people say, and I didn't win anything as far as Pochettino is an elite coach and he's perfect for United. And then there's other kind of, kind of player managers who are great work with players, people like Sudan. So, you know, you have to ask himself, is Solskjaer the best we can get at the moment with our wage budget, our ambitions and our stature? And he's, he's clearly not. So I think he's done a good job, but just not good enough. And that's where I'll be willing to make, looking to make the change. I was thinking about, um, when we were talking about Pochettino, I was just thinking about that Friends reunion that's happening at the moment. Like, Pochettino <laughs> left his first with, like, young, life players with, like, you know, the kind of, like, the, the, the world was their oyster. Like, they were kind of young and spry and then he gets back and it's like they're glass-eyed looking like zombies flogged to death they've been through traumatic experiences like it's uh it's just kind of like what type of team Spurs teams are going to be inheriting again the, the, I I think that has to be an absolute last desperate throw to dice from Daniel Levy to try and hang on to yeah. Harry Kane thinking that if I get Pochettino back but like what's that going to do you have to get another few players in as well like he's yeah. Levy should be out the door like this is almost like uh Cummings here, like kind of doing his thing in reference to yesterday. It's just like just trying to throw bullshit at the wall and hoping something sticks here. Like, um, much. It, it's it's madness. Like, the, that's what I was going to talk a little bit about that. Like, some of the performances I thought, like McTominay, uh, yeah. Cavani, Shaw, and then even Wan Bissaka. Like, yeah, he was good. He was, he was basically playing as a right winger for United last night and getting in at least a few decent crosses into the box. And then Greenwood actually did well in the second half. Um, they all did well, yeah. Like Fernandez, this is this is going to come back to haunt them again. It's like, uh, you know, he he gets away with it sometimes by scoring a penalty in a game or something like that. But he he was out Coquelin and uh, when he came on and Capua as well, just kind of hounded him all game and he didn't do much. But the uh, yeah, you mentioned it there as well. But like, I don't know how many replays you want to look at that. What was Victor Lindelof doing for that? Like, just he didn't he wasn't even looking at the ball. He was just <laughs> it was it was I, I don't know what was the worst bit of defending, Kev, like that. That Bailly moment, the Lindelof moment, because both were pretty brutal. Yeah, it's funny. You know, the minute it went in, I was thinking, Jesus, it's like that nice Thierry Henry got the goal against Ireland. Like, the ball travels yeah. so far. And you're thinking, like, it, that should be a very simple header for any defender where, like, you stay goal side and you actually attack the ball. But they were all caught the wrong side. And, like, is like what was he looking at? Like, where, like, what, you know, what caught his eye? Like a magpie, something shiny in the crowd or something. Like, Homer's Simpson style, you know, no attention span. And you're thinking, like, like how would you allow that to happen? Because in fairness, you know, it was literally just a toe poke. I think De Gea was probably caught in no man's land a little bit as well. And, you know, I, I think I texted you last night saying, you know, Henderson would have done a better job. But, like, De Gea, regardless of the penalties, and I know the VAR thing, I think there was a stat last night where penalty saves in the Premier League this year have dropped dramatically because VAR obviously is keeping an eye on the on their feet mm-hmm. on, the, on the ground. But he made no effort like he didn't even try and make himself big or try and psych out the kicker or like it looked like he had done no homework at all in terms of the kicking or maybe the the the, the options on it and I'm just thinking like is it a, is it a hole under the waterline for De Gea and like is Henderson thinking you know if I hang on here this guy is treading water and it gets to maybe September October time of next season you know he makes a couple of more mistakes and I will be the permanent number one so like Saucier has a huge summer 
um, ahead. If they even if they had won it last night, I think it would have had a huge summer ahead. But you know, Luke Shaw tried very hard. Cavani had tried hard. I think Fernandez. You mentioned um, he was hounded all night, but that has to mean there's at least another two midfielders yeah. somewhere free. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a matter of like players being intelligent enough to say, don't keep passing it to the ball under the guy to the guy under pressure or like give it to Cavani go more direct at least something but like Rob is right I mean Solskjaer is a man frozen on the sideline you know he's just like mouth agape and you're just thinking like flies in and out of his mouth sometimes and it's just it's horrifying to watch somebody so paralyzed but he looks down the bench and you're thinking doesn't have great options there and like he doesn't seem to communicate very well on on the sideline and in-game management is a massive part of it. Klopp is not amazing at it either. Mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, in terms of changes, he might change it tactically at halftime, but Klopp usually gets to halftime and makes the change then. He very rarely changes it mid-game in terms of substitutions or formation um, unless making bad substitutions sometimes. And he was criticised for a long time about the substitutions, but, you know, if you don't have the options on the bench or match winners on the bench, you know, it's very difficult. There isn't too many scares out there that are guaranteed goal scorers when they come off the bench or guys happy enough to be on the bench. So it's a hard one for him. But Villarreal must be thinking, how on earth did they win it? You know, in terms of like, they were under the cash for 90 or 120 odd minutes. They got one lucky break up top. But Emery, like, I mean, he's great at silver medals, but it was terrible in the Champions League. But it's just, he has a, he has the touch for that competition. It's incredible. It's like, it's a bit like, like Wicklow winning the O'Byrne Cup or something in GEA. <laughs> they're, they're great at the small stuff, but when it comes to the serious stuff, they're nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's, it's a serious kind of, um, it's a serious thing. And like, I, I suppose there must be a lot of fans out there who kind of hate the big sides and stuff like that. And like, this must be great for them. Like, there's a lot of stuff about like 50,000 people from Villarreal and yeah. a lot of homegrown players in the squad and stuff like that. And, and like, I suppose sometimes, yeah, like we... Oh, it, it actually is great that's the great thing about being a United and Liverpool fan you can just look down your nose at all these people all the time and dismiss them like it's a big game to them but you're like who's your manager again what's it, what's it called but uh so they must be loving it today I suppose you have to kind of let them kind of uh, enjoy it and um yeah that's it I suppose is there anything else you, what we need to get off our chest Rob anything else you kind of uh you feel like I was saying like Rashford did give a good interview last night like He's great. Like he, yeah. he would have inspired you more than Solskjaer last night. Like he came out and he was like, you know, he hasn't been in great form. He hasn't been in great form since the turn of the year, but like he yeah. spoke very well. That actually, if I was a United fan, well, if I was a United fan, I am a United fan. That actually did give me a little bit of, um, you know, okay, you know, maybe, you know, give these guys another year, get a couple of mm-hmm. signings in again. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I say I don't see how United are going to get rid of this guy over the summer. I see him staying around for at least one more year. Yeah, I just want to focus, like for me with Rashford, he always speaks well. I just want to focus on the pitch and like he, he was terrible in the match and there's no getting away from that and other stuff shouldn't come into it. Like it shouldn't come into that. Rashford is a decent guy because he is. But we're just purely based on, on the pitch and he wasn't good enough. And talking after the match, like, yeah, I don't, I don't pay too much sense to that. Personally, I just would, would have liked him to play better in the game. And it wasn't all his fault. I think he has been flogged. Um, the takeaway from that, Mo, I think with Solskjaer, we saw just someone who just isn't kind of an elite coach. And, and it was a, there was an arrogance about them as well. There was an arrogance on BT. I don't know if you're watching the coverage before. But it was insufferable. Like, it was like, they were, they, I don't think they even mentioned Villarreal. Just, yeah. just talking down about them. And like, Villarreal, like as I said, like, and that's been the problem with United this season. Any type of 
well-organized, committed, competent team will 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 find it not too hard to, to stifle United because there is no real attacking plan. It is just individuals kind of running around and Solskjaer empowers these individuals. But that's not really enough for any type of elite club. And when there's other options out there, they should be taken. And there's a lot of players there that I think United will shut. Like the, the market's depressed. I don't know how they're going to get rid of them. And I would nearly include Rashford in that. I don't think Rashford is an elite player. I don't think he ever will be. I think Martial. I think um, Fred isn't great. Um, Wan um, Lindelof, like there's a lot of players there that just on top of Solskjaer ground, I don't think are really up to it. United need to start being ruthless. But as you said with the Glaciers, they don't really treat United like a football club. They treat it like a kind of a media brand slash kind of like cash machine. They're not going to make a football decision. Like Liverpool have data analysts helping Klopp make their next sign. Like actual lads who work for NASA. Man United have like Mike Phelan. So like, like, I mean, like they're just gonna sign someone and it'll make a big dent on Facebook or ever on on social media. But you'll have the same problems next year, and you'll have the same pundits and the same apologists coming out and saying Solskjaer just needs another five players. Like, so yeah, well, you'll be here again, Pat. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I was kind of re- maybe just kind of wrap it up. I was just kind of saying like, um, yeah, it's weird. It's kind of more so United. Like it's kind of still fresh. You still you're just off a game where and um, haven't played great, but. Um, yeah, for you guys, I suppose Kev maybe go to you first. Like, would you be confident that next season can be a lot better? Like, you know, Van Dijk is coming back from an Achilles injury. Like, he might not be the same player, but uh, when Aldum looks like he's a goner, like, but um, surely you'll get a few fresh faces in. Would you be confident enough that you can push Man City next season? Yeah, I, I would think even already. I think the general feeling amongst Liverpool fans is the squad is still good enough. There's probably another year left in Salah, Mane and Firmino uh, with Jota and one other striker, get another midfielder and maybe a defender in. They really only need maybe three key players and one kind of, you know, maybe one or two uh, squad players, like a backup goalkeeper. But I think, you know, it showed in the last 10 games of the season, they were back to where they used to be. And, you know, in terms of decent at the back, midfield was still good. And, you know, up top, they have still, some of the best players in the world I would be very confident I think the 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 worry would be about Van Dijk if he gets if this is the start of him maybe picking up some niggly injuries and obviously with a knee problem you know it, it affects the rest of your body that would be the concern but I mean Andy Robertson played 38 games in the Premier League this season Trent I think is only going to get better and actually if he gets a summer off that would be brilliant. I think he would. that would be fantastic for him physically that he needs a break as he's been playing effectively for the last four seasons nonstop. So that would be good. I think Liverpool are in a good place if they make two very good signings. I think definitely another forward and probably a centre-half at least and then let midfield maybe work around it, clear out Oxlade-Chamberlain, Shakiri, Origi, a few of those, get one or two people in. Um, Harvey Elliott maybe uh, blend him into the squad as well. And I think they'll be in a very good position. I actually actually think they'll be much closer to the Man United because I think the biggest issue for Man United this summer will be a new chief executive um, that's going to rumble on and the Stolskjaer stuff will probably eat in over the summer and if they don't make big signings he's going to start next season under huge pressure for United to be top or challenging City or very close to them because I would imagine if it comes to Christmas next season and they're not either top or second or very much in a title race he will be bombed out of the club and they'll start all over again because there's just too much money. The Glazers 
Glazers might know anything about football, but they knew they do know stuff about money. And it'll come to if United are out of the Champions League and they're thinking this guy's uh, is is useless. It'll be a give it to Giggsy till the end of the season vibe, <laughs> maybe again. Um, so I, I think Saltzman's actually put he's put himself under so much pressure now. Where actually, if they had just into the season a little bit better and got over the line in the Europa League, then, you know, he would have probably got another two or three years out of it. But I think that the clock is actually ticking on him now and it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the first uh, two or three months of the next season. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I said what was it about Van Dijk. Achilles, maybe that's wishful thinking for me. It was a knee injury. How could I have forgotten that it was a, a knee injury? And yeah, like for me, like my thing is still, like I think I mentioned around 27 transfers in their last episode, but I think it depends on who they get in. Like, if they get a couple of big names, you might have a, a bit more confidence, but it'll all depend on. I hope I hope what they used to do under Ferguson, they could do some business early and you could start getting excited again for next season. But, Rob, what would your take on it be? I think they're going to spend all season, all summer, chasing Harry Kane because Spurs won't sell him early and they won't sign him. Probably something similar with Sancho. He might land like Danny Ings or something. He was a good player and I wouldn't say I'm glad against him, but he won't land their first choice. And, yeah, we'll be here again. I, I just think that, like, you want everyone, want, all my United fans wanted Solskjaer to do well. And I think he has done well to an extent. Where if they are ever going to get back to where they are, where they were before, and get close to the city and keep Liverpool off them, they're going to have to be proactive and get an elite coach. They're going to have to start acting like a football club rather than a media brand. And that means, like, appointing the best in class director of football, the best chief executive, not guys like Darren Fletcher, who sure is a good was a great player and will probably be a great coach or executive, but he's only starting out. You can't really say he's any qualifications for a role like that other than being having played for Man United. And that's the same for Solskjaer. So at the moment, like the Glazers are in retreat and they, they won't want to do make any big changes. Like you don't have the knowledge anyway to make changes, but you won't want to you'll keep Solskjaer there for as long as possible because no matter how annoyed some United fans are about that, there's going to be a whole majority, 78% who are going to say back Solskjaer, back Solskjaer, and they'll never go on his back because to criticise him in their heads will be to be a bad fan. So um, I think we're just more of the same really, Pat. Um, I think um, transfers won't happen until later in the summer. They'll chase Kane and probably lose out from the City and they'll watch all these other kind of elite coaches get jobs like Poch and Conte and yeah, back a square one, I'd say, next season. Oh, Jesus. Right. <laughs> to, to end the season there, yeah, like kind of a bleak note. As I said, it kind of ties back in with the start of the episode. Like, you know, United, on paper, in a way, you would have thought it had a better season than Liverpool, but um, the confidence isn't kind of there, probably from both of us going into next season. Depends on, on who we sign and stuff. But Liverpool looks like they have a, an easier fix anyway to go and chase City. And then they have the Anfield factor, which means uh, 27 points a season as well, of course. Uh, uh, they have to kind of go and, and make it. They will. You know, like even yeah. Ferguson. I was listening to some Ferguson interviews recently and he was talking about you just have what a mad place that is and how he wouldn't put Gary Neville on the bench because of the abuse he'd get when he was warming up and stuff. So, yeah, weird place to end it. But, yeah, cheers to, to you guys as well for, for doing it all season. And thanks to all the other people we had contributing and, and guests on. And, and thanks, everybody, for listening and um, and following us. If you want to send us a message or anything like that over the summer, and we're on social media at Reds and Devils and stuff. So uh, thanks very much for everything. And, uh, God, who knows where we'll all be in a while. But look after yourselves till then. All right. Cheers, lads.